word this morning. I know I am. I'm, I'm excited. You know, we're, we're going to be starting kind of a new, what I believe is going to be a new series for, for the next few weeks for our church here today. And I'm, I'm just so excited. And like I said before, I have so much expectation about what we're going to get into today. Um, you know, this, this is kind of a subject matter that I, I'm very passionate about. It, it's something that I know has completely changed my life. Um, getting a hold of this truth of this revelation, and so I'm I'm just I'm so thrilled uh, to share it with you. And as we are going to go through a number of men and women in the Bible over the next couple of weeks, uh, I believe that we're going to see that as they got a hold of this and their lives were changed, God wants to do the same thing for you and I today. He wants this this same kind of change of of course, change of life, um, change of maybe mindset and change of identity uh, that, that they experienced, that I've experienced, that I believe many of you have probably experienced on various levels through life. We're, we're going to be talking a lot about identity in, in this next series we're going to be doing. Uh, it, it really deals with the thoughts we have about who we are, what we are, and how we arrive at those conclusions. You know, identity is something that is very important to God, but it's also very important to the enemy. The, the one who controls your identity, I believe, has a great influence on how you live your life, on how effective or ineffective you may be in life. A great deal of that is attributed to how you identify yourself. If, if you don't see yourself as something, it's very difficult to live like that's true. If you can't believe something about yourself, then it's very difficult to live it out. And God has a lot to say about who we are. And so as we go through these next couple of weeks, I believe that we're going to see some things revealed to us about who God says we are and how we combat the devil and the enemy. And, and you know, even when it's not him directly and it's not a, a blatant spiritual attack, sometimes there are just questions that I think we encounter about who we are and how we are. And we need to be able as Christian believers to stand against that and go back to what the word says, despite what we may be seeing or feeling or hearing. Um, it, it's important that we have our identity right. And so the uh, title of this message, if we put it up, is unrefined, but defined, unrefined, but defined. And so this, to summarize what we're going to be looking through, this is going to be a short series about how God in his greatness calls people based on their potential and the God-given purpose for their life. We could say he defines them rather than calling them by the unrefined substance shown in a moment. We're going to be seeing how God looks at something like, like this rock. Well, this is a diamond here. He could look at something even much more dirty, much more corroded and, and just not looking nice than this. He can look at something that at face value may not look like much, but see something so valuable within. How an unrefined person does not mean that there is no value. Because we know that God, not only does he look at us and work with us, but he has a definition laid out for each and every one of us. He has a definition for who you were created to be that Many times it looks a whole lot different than our current state. You know, we look at maybe this, and, and we kind of see this. I don't know if this is a diamond. I'm, I'm not very good with geology. I couldn't tell you. It just looks like a rock to me, okay? But you can look at this and say, well, maybe it's a diamond, maybe it's not. Before it looked like this, it would have been covered in earth, covered in dirt, covered in, in less valuable rocks. It would have been surrounded and enclosed by these things that were uh, not valuable, 
But God in his greatness can look beyond the surface of a moment and he can see the potential for what somebody or something contains. And so this, this series is, is a lot about potential. We're going to be looking very much with potential, um, how God looks at people, how he looks at people through his word, how he looks at us. And even in moments or maybe just pieces of us that look not nice, that look unrefined is the term we're going to use. Maybe it, it doesn't look polished. It doesn't look the way the word says it should. He sees something that's unrefined. And rather than defining it by its current state, he looks ahead to the future with expectation of what it can be. He gives definition, good definition, to things that are unrefined. And so we're going to see how God names based on what he knows rather than on what we see. And I felt like that was kind of a good, good way to summarize what this is about. God names based on what he knows rather than on what we see. Rather than looking at external things as we so many times do, God looks to the knowledge of the future. He looks beyond the present status to see what the potential says it could be. We could say he speaks those things that are not as though they are. Like it says in Romans 4, 17, it says, as it was written, I've made you a father of many nations. He's talking to Abraham in the presence of him who believed God. God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Meaning, when I look at my life and I read the word and they don't line up with each other, rather than saying, well, this is just a dead end road. This isn't going anywhere. I can look at what God has said and he calls those things that are not right now as though they were. Meaning he looks ahead of the current situation, of the current state of being, of the unrefined, and he looks to what's possible in the future. He looks beyond the current state, and aren't you glad he does? We could say this as well in 1 John 3, verse 20, that God knows all things. He is um, omniscient. If we, if we pull that up, it says uh, in, in 1 John 3, verse 20, and I'll read it off of here. It says, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. The word states it very clearly. God knows all things. And so when he calls those things that are not as though they are, it's not because he can't see correctly. It's because he knows some things that we don't know yet. He sees some things that we haven't seen yet. What has been open to his eyes may not have been revealed to us, but that does not make it any less true. Just because something looks unrefined right now does not mean that God can give it a different definition. Hallelujah. He's got better definitions than unrefined states. When he names in Ephesians 2 verse 10, another characteristic we're going to see about God that really sets our context for this series. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. If you are the workmanship of someone, that that one who created you knows the intended purpose. He knows the design. You know, I think about my house that I had purchased and remodeled in Harlan, Iowa, in my last job. I had redone this whole house, refinished it. I put up, you know, drywall. I put in all these new appliances. And let me tell you, by the end of that project, I knew everything about that house. Because I now had a hand in in the current state of it. I had a hand in the creation of, of how it was to be at that moment. 
because I got into it and I worked on it and I, I had a hand in creating it, I knew some things about it that other people didn't know. I'd have people come in and look at it and walk through it and I'd tell them, well, we did this here and there was this problem, but we fixed it this way. There was, there was this thing that used to be here, but now there's a new thing there. You know, I, I had this vision for, for it before it was ever all put together and done and it had been, we could say, refined. It had been polished. It had been made nice and new and updated. Before any of that was done, I could walk through and I saw the purpose that I had for it. I could look at a room and say, well, you know, it looks like this right now, but I know what my plan for it is. And God says the same thing about you and I. He doesn't walk into a room of our life and look at it and say, whoa, this looks rough. But he probably could in some areas. He could probably walk in somewhere in your life and say, oh man, this, this is looking a little rough. This is looking a little 1970s right now. We need to put, we need to get the shag carpet out. We need to get the paneling off the walls. Like let's, and if you have shag carpet and paneling, I'm not coming after you today. More power to you. But it's like there, there are things that maybe need to be changed, refined, polished. And God doesn't walk into our life and look at what's not refined and say, oh man, you spent how much on this? You spent how much time in here? No, he walks in with a plan and he says, you know, I see its current state, but I see so much more potential. I see so much more of what this could be for you. I see what, what the, the plan coming to completion, what fullness in Christ, what, what the Holy Spirit being present here looks like, and it is a glorious thing. That's the lens. That is the perspective that God walks into our life with. It's not based solely on what is seen in a moment, but it's based on the perspective of potential. Let's say that together. God has... Potential perspective. And now turn to someone and say, I have potential perspective. Potential perspective. I hope you guys leave this service and like say that. I hope you start thinking through this same lens of potential perspective. Where I'm not just looking at what things are right now. I'm looking at the potential. I have a perspective that goes, goes beyond the scene. My faith takes me beyond what I'm currently experiencing. And it takes me to a place of expectation of the potential. I can see so much more than what I currently see. Because I have potential perspective. You know, we do this too. We may just not realize it all the time, but we look at, at, at things, we look at people even with potential perspective. We look at uh, young children. I mean, if we all walked out to our kids' class today, we would look at these kids and we would say, well, yeah, they're tiny now, but someday they're going to be a man or a woman. They're going to grow. They have potential to develop into something more than what they are today. We do it in that way. We do it with um, like trees, seeds. We talked about seeds last week. We look at seeds. Farmers, they plant fields. Can I get an amen from the farmers? We plant fields with potential perspective. We don't just look at it like, oh, I'm dumping all of this tiny seed into the ground right now because I have nowhere else to put it. Potential perspective says I see so much opportunity for what this could be. I see more for this seed than its current state. And so I'm going to expect it to grow. We look through the lens of potential perspective. And things that are living have the potential to grow. Things that are living have potential to grow. 
You know, before we became alive in Christ, we were dead, which means we had no potential to grow. We had no potential to grow in the fullness of Christ before we came into Christ because we were dead. And dead things don't change. This, this piano is not going to grow in the next 50 years. 50 years from now, I could, I could walk over, I could do this exact same thing. I could say, oh, take a look at our grand piano here. It's the exact same as it looked all these years ago, and it's because it's not alive. Things that don't live cannot grow. But because we are alive in Christ, we have the potential to grow. Isn't that good news? That we have potential. And God looks at us through the lens of our potential rather than through the lens of our current status. And so that is kind of a, a quick summary of, of what we're going to go through in these next few weeks with this series. And each week, my, my hope is that we look at either one or maybe two um, men or women from the Bible who had this illustrated in their life in a very literal way. We're going to look at people who had their names changed from what they were, from the unrefined person that they were. God literally went in and he called them something different because he looked at them with potential. He saw potential through his perspective that people would not have seen. But hallelujah, it's good that he did because these men and women who had their names changed by God because he saw potential changed the world for Jesus. These people who had an unrefined start but were defined by God are the men and women through which our gospel came. They had a, a major influence on uh, Jesus well, coming to earth, they, they played a role in it, or they were a key part of taking the word out after he had gone on. And the first person I want us to look at today, and it's fitting because we do have kind of a, a rock, or I, I don't know if you'd call that a rock, I would call it a rock. We have a rock on our screen, and the first person I want us to look at in the series is Peter. And we're going to go to Matthew 4, verse 18 through 20, where we see his name change for the very first time. Peter, which we're going to talk about a little bit more the meaning of the names, but Peter was called the rock. Peter means the rock, and we're going to look into that here a little bit more. Matthew 4, verse 18 and 20, if you've, if you've turned there, if not, you can read on the screen. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, you've probably heard of Simon Peter before, and, and I had many times, but it wasn't until more recently that I realized why it's significant that he had two names. I mean, really, if you, if you grew up in church, that was just confusing. Like, why, why do all these people have to have two names? It's hard enough to remember the 12 names of the disciples. Why do I have to remember two names for everybody? Like, your Sunday school teacher is just asking way too much at that point. You know what I mean? Maybe you don't. Well, I always was like, Simon, Peter, well, is that just the same guy as Peter? You know, so it, it can be confusing. But if you understand the significance of those names, it makes a lot of sense. And it becomes something of revelation that is very meaningful to us today. Simon was his birth name. Later on, we're going to read in Matthew 16, which we'll go to in a minute. It's called, he is called Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah, is what his name was. His birth name was Simon. And Simon, if we study out what that name means, it means to listen or to hear. 
to listen or to hear. Now, this is going to be significant in a minute once we see what, what Peter means, which I already told you is rock. But I thought John 10, 27 through 28, as I, I looked at Simon's name and what it means to hear, to listen, it made me think about what Jesus said here in John 10. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me. My sheep hear my voice. Those who follow me hear my voice. Those who I know and know me, they follow my voice. They're listening for my voice. They're a hearer. See, this is significant because Simon, this fisherman, was a hearer. You know, and I just, I picture this moment in time in Matthew 4 where Jesus you know, he had just, he had recently come out of the wilderness. He had had the Holy Spirit descend upon him after being baptized. He has the power of the Lord working in him now. Like he, he's ready to go out and minister and he's walking around. And here we have two fishermen out on a boat. And I mean, if you've ever watched like the shows about the fishermen, fishermen weren't like these just sensitive, like listening kind of guys. They were like the rough and tough. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you to go watch the fisherman shows on Discovery Channel because you might hear some language or you might like get some things that I'm not going to recommend you go listen to. But they were rough guys. Peter was and we're going to see it. He was a rough guy. And it's so interesting that Simon hearer is what comes through. It's a characteristic given to him by God, even though he's in this this rough state, this rough place. And it's so interesting to me that these fishermen who are, they have to be tied up. I mean, like if you've ever gone fishing, I know like if you're just sitting with one pole and kind of doing, it's leisurely, like maybe there you can listen to birds and stuff, but they're like commercial fishermen. They're on these decks, probably yelling at each other, like pulling these nets in with all these fish. I mean, it's, it's not just like this quiet, serene place. Like they're focused on what they're doing and they're working with their dad. You know, if they're working with family, like you're probably working, anybody ever worked with your dad, you know that it's not like peaceful and just calm. At least it wasn't for me. Okay. It was more like, Hey, give me the next, you know, get me the next tool. Get me this thing. Like we got stuff to do. We're working. And here's Simon listening as Jesus comes. He hears Jesus and it's significant because those who hear Jesus follow Jesus and it's so interesting, the, the definition for Peter means rock. It means stone. The metaphorical translation of the word Peter, uh, or Petros in the Greek, it means soul hard and unyielding, convinced and unwavering. Soul hard and unyielding, convinced and unwavering. What I see in this is when we are hearers of the word, we know the Bible says it builds our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. When we hear God's word, it builds our faith. And when our faith is built up, we are like that stone that cannot be moved. Unyielding, uncompromising, solid in the faith. But it comes by hearing first. And as we hear, God can give us a new name. As we hear the word and we find faith in the word, faith in Christ, we can come to a place where instead of being called hearer, we might be called solid one, solid rock, consistent, unwavering Christian. Matthew 16, verse 16 through 18, we see the name Peter, Simon Peter, expressed again. It says in Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered and said, Jesus had just asked a question. He had, he had talked to the Pharisees. He had been performing all these miracles. And he goes, who do you think I am? And Simon said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. We could say Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say that you are Peter, Petros, rock, solid one. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. We see that because he was a hearer, he was able to be the solid one. When we hear God, when we listen and are sensitive to his word, even in the midst of crazy times like these fishermen were having. See, your, your situation should not change our ability to be a hearer. As we listen to God, he is able to name us something, to define us as something different. He can take the one who was a fisherman who listened, and he can turn him into the Christian who is unwavering, that he says is the rock or the steady one who he will build the church upon. And I know that there are some people who would say that Peter was the like, single one that Jesus wanted to build the church on. Well, I disagree. I believe that Christ's plan was to build upon all of the solid believers that were steady, that were in faith, that were hearers first and rock solid after, upon which he could count on to pursue the mission of the kingdom relentlessly. Those are the ones he can build with. Amen? And so I no longer am satisfied to listen and hear, but I must become one who is consistent upon which Christ can build his church upon which the kingdom can be built. I think we're in a time now where listening, being a Simon is a popular thing. Don't you think so? Isn't it kind of popular now to hear, to listen, to just kind of intake I'll receive all these things. I'll hear all these things. I've got all these ideas. I, I listen to this person on Monday and I listen to this person on Friday. And yeah, they're totally different, but I just, I got to hear all these different things. Well, that kind of hearing does not turn you into the solid rock that God defined. Hearing the word of God and letting your faith be built upon it turns you into a solid rock. A believer on which Christ can build his church. I want to be a hearer of the word of God. And the word of God alone. See, he was aware of God. Faith based on what God has revealed is not only solid for you, but it's also for God to build upon. Solid faith, you know, as, as great as, as it is for you, it's really not about you. Solid faith, even though it's going to help you out in this life, God's plan is more to have people of solid faith upon which he can build his kingdom. He wants you to have faith so that, that you have it for today, that you have access to his grace. But I believe that as much as he wants that for your personal life, he wants people that are rock solid that he can use to build the kingdom. That's the master plan. That we're all part of this rock solid foundation of Christians on earth that he can use to build the kingdom of heaven. See, he wants us to be solid so that we can have access to grace, but he also needs us to be solid so that he can bring the kingdom here. Amen? Amen. See, it's, it's not just, it's never one-sided with God. You know, he, he uses us. He, he says in other scriptures, I'm a co-laborer with you. It means we both have a part in it. We, we gain things from it, absolutely. But there is also something to be required of us with it. 
He wants the requirement of, of strong, steady believers so that he can use us to do great things for the kingdom. And we see that through Peter, that the one who was once just a listener, a hearer, and a fisherman, Simon, could be turned into a rock-solid person. So this is, this is how Jesus has defined Peter. Like, that sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? Rock-solid. Man, he's steady. He's, he's got it, man. He's going to be the one that overcomes Hades. He's going to be the one that God builds the kingdom on. Man, Paul, Peter's got it together. Right? Right? Well, let's go on a little bit and see how Peter had it together. We're talking about God calling those things that are not as though they are. Calling those people that are not as though they are. Because the good news is he wants us to become what he's called us not stay how we are. Matthew 16, 21 through 23. I love how this comes like right after. I mean, five verses later, not even five, three verses after Jesus says, Peter, you're the one I'm going to build the church on. Here's the next thing that happens. He says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And be killed and be raised on the third day. He was starting to tell his disciples about the plan. He's like, this is what's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and die for mankind so that everyone else can be saved. Like, it, it's the plan. It's what's happening. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Wow, that's rough on like for Peter. I feel for Peter. Like I'm sure he had the best intentions. He was probably like, no, Lord, we want you to stay with us. I'm sure he didn't mean anything bad by it. But I mean, Jesus is like, you're offensive. And I'm like comparing you to Satan. Get behind me. I think Peter, where he went off in the first place is he decided he knew better than God. He says, Peter took him aside from the others and began to rebuke him. Man, have you ever done that? Like God, God lays it out for you and you're, you're like, yeah, but God, it doesn't, no, that wouldn't work. I've done that. Where it's like, you know, God, I understand what you want to do here. Yeah, that's a nice plan, but I'm the one, like I'm here. I, I understand it a little bit better than you, don't you think? No, <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> so we see Peter, this rock solid one who's going to build the kingdom and be victorious. Here he is. Jesus is saying, I rebuke, like, you, you're missing it, buddy. What it tells me is that even when we miss it, even as our unrefined, maybe sometimes unwillingness to go along with God's plan might show up, it doesn't change our definition. Because he still called him Peter. He still called him Rock one upon whom I'll build the church and will prevail over Hades. It didn't change who Christ had made Peter to be. But it did show something that needed to be refined. And that's not a bad thing. Understanding what needs to be refined and brought out of us helps us get closer and closer to the God-given definition that he's given us. Let's look at another point of Peter. And I don't, I don't want to take too much time with these because, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to like rag on Peter today, okay? He, he missed it a couple times, but the good news of this message is even when we miss it, God still has good plans for us. God still has good names for us. He's still got good definitions and good purposes in our future, even when we miss it like Peter did. 
Matthew 26, 33 through 35, my goodness, says this. Peter answered and said to him, even if, you're made to, even if we are all made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. You may have heard this, this passage preached before. This is after you know, Jesus, they had had the Last Supper, and he said, I'm going to go, and you guys, like one of you is going to deny me three times tonight. And here's Peter saying, not going to happen. I'll never, I will never stumble. Lord, I'll never leave you. Keep going on into 34. It says, Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And said so all the disciples. Well, that was a nice idea. He says, I'm never, I'm never missing it, God. I'm never leaving. I'm never, I'm never going to not do what you've said. I'm never going to not proclaim you. I'm, I'm never going to be quiet. I'm never going to let my boldness about bringing your message to people keep me down. He's got the right intention. I mean, he, he's, he's talking like the right way. He's, he's got the right mindset. And I, if you want to go read it, it's just a few verses later. What happens is the Bible says a servant girl came up and asked, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And I thought that was really funny because here's Peter, like this fisherman, and this little girl comes up and she's like, it's like the threat is this little girl to him. And I don't know why I think that's so funny, but I really do. It's like, you know, Peter, he's, he's making this solemn oath, this rock solid, like I'm going to live like my name. I'm, I'm going to be unwavering. I'm never going to, you know, move. And then this little girl comes up and she's like, aren't you one of those disciples? And fear gets a hold of him, and, and all of a sudden, this solid rock is like turning into sand. And I just think, how many times have I been there where it's like, I'm, I'm at church on Sunday, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Jesus to everybody I know. Yeah, I'm going to bring 10 people with me next Sunday. And then I go out, and it's like, oh, man, I don't know. Is, is this the opportunity, or is this? That can't be it. Talk myself out of it. Or, or maybe I just, like, I have a moment where I miss it. That's kind of what happened with Peter here. He just had a moment where he missed it. Of course, he, he then went on to deny Jesus two more times. And of course, as we've read the, the rooster crows, he realizes what he did and he just feels horrible about it. And I see this with Peter too. The fact that he was so remorseful when he realized he missed it, to me, is an indication that he was still on track. Feeling like, you know, correction or, or, or like feeling sorrow. There's a godly kind of sorrow when we miss it. It keeps our heart tender. And it lets us know that we're still pursuing Jesus because we're hurt that we missed it. We're hurt that we went off course. It's not a bad thing to, to feel some sorrow if we miss. That's, that's, to me, that's my spirit telling me, hey, you missed it. Still love you. You don't need to hold on to guilt. You, you don't need to beat yourself up. But, but you're tender, so next time, I'm going to be like, well, I remember last time when I missed it, and I was so aware of that. Praise God, he's forgiven me, but I don't want to do that again. That's a God thing. And Peter, he felt this sorrow, but we know that, and we're going to look here in a minute about how he was restored later on. Jesus rose, and then there was restoration that happened. How many of you are thankful that Jesus always restores you when you miss it? Amen. Isn't that good news? That when I miss it, I don't have to stay in the place of missing it. I don't have to stay unrefined. 
I can bring the definition into my life. I, I can let God work on me. You know, that, that sorrow that I was talking about a second ago, that's part of the refining process. That's part of God taking this, you know, lump of dirty looking rock and turning it into something valuable. Taking the, the invaluable stuff away and leaving only what's of value. That sorrow, I think, is part of the way he does it. It's part of the way the Holy Spirit does it. He's showing us what we need to pull off of our life, what we need to pull out of our life. When I, when I feel like the God, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about guilt. I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm not talking about, like, I, I feel so bad it's just wrecking my life. It's just like, you know what? I know I missed it. When I see that I missed it somewhere, I'm realizing something that needs to be refined out of my life. It's God showing me, this is something that we need to change for you to be the defined person I've named you. That's, that's what this process looks like. Let's look at one more. Again, I'm not hating on Peter. I love Peter. But we're going to look at one more. In Matthew 26, 36 through 40. This is uh, shortly after um, the Lord's Supper where Jesus had, or I'm sorry, Peter had sworn he would never deny Jesus. We go a little bit further down in the, in the verse here, and it says that then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. So he left the disciples. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And this, this is a very, I mean, this is a serious, I mean, this is probably one of the most serious moments in the Bible. Don't you think? Like Jesus is making this plead, this prayer to God the Father of I really don't want to do this, but I'm willing because I understand the weight and what's at stake here. I, I will do it even though I, I know it's going to be hard on my flesh, Lord. I'll, I'll do it. I'll give it all for, for your purpose. And I don't, maybe it's wrong of me to think, like, find this kind of funny, but I kind of do because it's just, like, if, we, if this, the gospel was a movie, Peter at this point would be like the, the humor. He would be the guy that comes in at the really serious moment to, like, break up the tension. That, that's kind of what happens here. It says, Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? I mean, think about that. Jesus just had like this, this huge, serious moment with the Father. I mean, like the culmination of the gospel. It's like all coming up to this point. And here are the disciples sleeping. Peter, you missed it again. And then he, he leaves them and they fall asleep again and he leaves them and they fall asleep again. And I'm just like, Peter, man, you're the rock. Where's the rock, man? Why, why, why can't you stay awake? Why can't like get those disciples whipped into shape? I also think it's funny that he singles Peter out among the disciples like they were all asleep. And here he's like, Peter, man, come on, because Peter was the rock. He's like, where's my rock? Has God ever been there with you where he's like, where's my rock? I needed my rock today. I feel that sometimes. Like, I, I, I missed something and I'm just like, God, I'm sorry. He's like, I needed my rock. He wants you to be the rock. He wants you to be the one that, that is steady and solid. Whether it's the flesh, whether it's a little girl, whether it's, you know, any of these circumstances, Jesus wants you to be the rock. He's called us to be the rock. 
And so Peter, you know, he, he's, he's falling asleep. He's having a hard time saying no to the flesh. And so once again, it's like we see this distinction of God has called him the rock. And here's Peter behaving like anything but the rock. I mean, he's not even like behaving like Simon. He's just falling asleep and, and getting scared. I mean, he's, he's not living up to what God has said about him. And that's, that's close to my heart because I've, I've been there at times where I feel like I'm not living up to what God has said about me. I mean, God calls me some amazing things in the Bible. I mean, if I lived every day like up to the level of what God has called me, whoo, hallelujah. <laughs> That'd be great. But I don't always. The good news about this and, and what the message today is really about is that even when we don't live up to the definition God still looks at us how he's defined us. He doesn't look at at us like this person who's just messed it up, like this dirty rock. He still sees the diamond. He still sees what he's defined inside of us over what what we've maybe missed. And you know, Peter is, is a character specifically, and I know we're talking a lot about Peter today. I can really relate to him, and, and maybe some of you will too, because like, as I look at how he is interacting, I think maybe some of the challenges he had to overcome to become you know, this refined and defined person that Jesus had called him, he had to get over how he like, just gets caught up in the moment. I see that like, all throughout these encounters with Peter. He's just like living in the moment, caught up in the moment. It's like you forget about everything else. And you're just like living and you're just reacting. Impulsive is another word I wrote down here that I see with Peter. Like this is his challenge to overcome. He's impulsive. He's just like living and reacting. You know, obviously when, when he corrects Jesus and says, no, you, I don't think you should go to the cross. He's kind of acting like a know-it-all. <laughs> Nobody in here is a know-it-all, right? I know. None of us. N- never. And he's really passionate, right? He's passionate. Here's the thing. These characteristics are all great things that Jesus was going to use for his kingdom. That's part of what made Peter the rock that he could build with. Because he was passionate. He was all in when he was all in. You know, when he got a hold of the truth, he knew it all. And he was not going to waver in that. He was going to stick to the knowledge that Christ had given him. Stick to that revelation. And he was living in the moment. He wasn't thinking about, oh man, I just miss Jesus so much. He went out and he did. Jesus used who he was in a defined, refined kind of way to do great things for the kingdom. Isn't that great? Now, there is one other quality about Peter, which we saw in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm not really sure how God used this one for the kingdom, but he was really sleepy. Anybody in here ever have to overcome sleepiness? I do every morning. Yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's kind of this unrefined quality that if we can get past it, God can do great things. And really, that's kind of a joke. He was, he was sleepy. I mean, he fell asleep in the garden, but really it was maybe a, a lack of interest in something he wasn't like doing himself. Okay? It's getting through these unrefined things to the definition God has for us, becoming that rock, even when we don't look like the rock. Let's look at John 21, 15 and see how Peter ended up being very much a defined person. We're going to cruise through this next part quick. In verse 15, and we're going to read down a ways, Jesus restoring Peter after he had uh, risen and and come back, showing himself to the disciples again. Um, They're having breakfast by the sea, and Jesus says, after they had eaten breakfast, Simon, 
son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. He said to him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were young, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Now, there's a lot contained in this scripture about refinement. First thing I see is that what was important to Jesus was not that Peter come and repent and just, I mean, he didn't have to get down on his knees and cry and beg Jesus for forgiveness. He just had to confirm his love for Christ. And when we miss it, what has challenged me a little bit, because the, you know, going and just, oh Lord, I, I beg you to forgive, you know, that, I don't think that does anything for God. When we are like begging and begging, he's already made a way for forgiveness. He already paid the price for our forgiveness. We don't have to beg him for it. He wants us to have it. What he wants to know is that we love him first. And that's why we see Jesus ask Peter three times, do you love me? He didn't say, Peter, are you sorry? Are you sorry for what you did, Peter? Do you repent? Are you, are you going to change your ways now, Peter? He just says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Our love for Christ is the main thing. If we have our love for God correct, then, then we're going to have the repentant heart as a side effect. How, loving God is going to produce that desire to please Him and, and desire to live up to the definition He's given. And we, when we fall short, I mean, it's going to be kind of that, you know, that, that godly sorrow where it's like, oh, I missed it. Peter did not have to go and, and just emphasize his repentance but he did emphasize his love for Christ. And I think that when we miss it at times, God wants to know that we still love him. God wants us to examine our heart and say, my love for you is still first, Jesus. I still love you. Anybody in here love Jesus today? Yes. yes. Good. See, that means we can be the rock. We can be the rock. Um, another thing that I do see in this is that just because I missed it doesn't mean it's over. Isn't that good? Just because I missed it doesn't mean it's over. Just because Peter had missed it, and, and there, were more, there were more stories we could have told today about Peter missing it. Just because he missed it didn't mean it was over. It didn't mean God's plan for him was gone, that he couldn't be the rock now. Just because he missed it didn't mean God's plan for him changed. He got back on track. My, my youth pastor used to say it like this. He said, well, when you, when you mess up, you make up, but you never give up. You never let go of what God wants to do through you. You keep moving forward because if you love Christ and, and you're pursuing the definition he's given you, you can be that rock that he uses to build his church. So Jesus confirmed uh, Peter's love. And then the other thing I, I see here in this, which uh, it kind of lends itself to one of the next points about the Holy Spirit is, is towards the end. He says, when you were younger, when you were younger, um, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. 
another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. What that means, what I see in that is that Peter had been trying to do it himself. He'd been trying to make himself the person God said he was. And here at this time, Jesus is saying, there's going to be another one that comes. And we know there's another one that came in Acts 2 too. The Holy Spirit, he comes and he girds you. The word gird, it means prepare, surround, and equip. There is another one that's coming to prepare you, to surround you, and to equip you to be who God defined you to be. You don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to get there on your own. You read that God says, I'm this. I don't have to become it all by myself. The helper, the Holy Spirit, is in my life today helping me to become how, what God's defined me. Isn't that great news? That it's not all up to us. He says another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Because Peter was going to have to go to some places he did not wish. But he was prepared to go there and turned into the rock by the Holy Spirit. Another way, as uh, we're going to go to 1 Peter now and look at a couple verses out of 1 Peter. This is the epistle that Peter had written. And really, I mean, if you compare what we read about Peter earlier to what we're seeing in him in, in this epistle as we read it, he has come a long way. He has become the rock. He has let the Holy Spirit do the work in him. Because as we read here in 1 Peter 1.13, it says, uh, Therefore, and I know it's coming up, Peter 1.13, yep. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Man, this is no longer Peter doing it on his own. This is Peter saying, God gives me the grace to be the rock. God gives me the grace to build the church. God gives me the grace to be unwavering and, and, and to do what I know I'm supposed to do. It's God's grace. It's the Holy Spirit preparing me and equipping me and surrounding me. It's not me. I, I gird up my mind. I, I, do, I do my part. I, I renew my mind. I check myself, but I let God do the work. I let God turn me into the person that he's called me to be. See, rest hope, hope, rest your hope fully upon the grace is what stands out to me there. Rest your hope fully upon the grace. Peter knew that even with all his best effort, the only way to be refined, the only way to be refined and to come into the definition or the name that God had given him was to rest his hope fully upon the grace. It's the only way to do it. You can try yourself all you want. The only way to come to God's definition of who you're supposed to be is rest your hope fully upon his grace. We have to fall back on grace. We have faith. We renew our mind. We, we confess who he said we are. But that's all part of tapping into grace. Accessing God's grace by faith means I believe it it's true. I believe that what God has said about me is true. And so I'm going to make a shift in my mind. He says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. I'm going to make a mind shift now to rather than believing what I see around me, rather than believing this unrefined state I see myself in, I'm going to believe about me what God has said about me. I'm going to believe what he has defined me as. I believe Peter got to this place where he no longer said, I'm the fisherman. I'm, I'm scared of little girls that come to like, Confront me about Jesus. I'm no longer that person. I'm the person God's made me. And when we get to the place where we rest our hope fully upon God's grace, I believe we can become the defined, named person he wants us to be. Amen?
Let's look at one more verse out of Peter. 1 Peter 1, verse 7, just a few prior. He says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. See, our faith is, is that precious material. Our faith is, is that defining quality because it takes faith to believe in God's grace. It takes faith to believe what God said about me. Was I have that faith and God refines it and, and causes it to grow and become greater. And, and we could even say in the comparison to gold, more pure, you know, less of the world, less of what I've heard, more of what the word says as my faith becomes more purified on the word and focused on the word rather than anything else. It, it's going to bring the value or the definition that God has said because God said we're valuable. He's called us valued. And our faith is meant to be as valuable as gold. Well, gold, the more times it, it's refined, the more imperfections that are pulled out, the more it's worth. Did you know that about gold? I learned this, like, you know, to preach. As you, as you pull out imperfections, and that's a really great way to say it, as you pull imperfections out of your faith, as you pull imperfections out of what you believe, it becomes more valuable. It, it becomes more of the pure gold, the pure value, the pure definition that God had in store for you when he created you. He wants you, he wants your faith to be pure. He doesn't want all of, all of these ideas from the world or ideas from people or ideas that you've you know, heard on, online or in a book that wasn't Bible-based. He doesn't want these imperfections taking away from the value or the purity of, of faith in the Word alone. Amen? So we, we know it's okay to go through this, you know, refining process. He says, tested by fire. You know, I thought about this, and I, I know there are, there are ministers who have preached this, and I've heard it before, that God's going to bring tests to you to, to make you grow in your faith. Well, I do believe that living on earth, we encounter tests, but it, it's not because God's like putting us through school. It's, it's because we live in a world where we encounter sin, imperfection, and we have to get it out of our faith. God doesn't bring a test to us. We, we're kind of just like living a test because when we come into Christ, he makes us new on the inside, but in our mind and in our flesh, we still have these imperfections that we, we had on us because we're, we used to be of the world. You know, we've, we've got these mindsets or habits or, or these things that are trying to stick with us, spiritual splinters, amen. We need to pull them out because they're imperfections and God doesn't want them there. So the tests that we encounter, it, it's not like, you know, God's making this happen so that I can grow. No. That's, that's wrong. But living life valued by God and defined by God, where we're surrounded by many that are not, we're, we're going to have moments where we have to choose to take those things out or to leave them in. These are, we see actually with Peter, these tests. You know, I think, when I think of a test, I think of like this big thing, like, oh, I'm going to have this, you know, horrible, hard thing that I have to endure. Well, we could look at these three tests that Peter endured that we looked at. He had to stay awake while Jesus prayed. 
If you've ever fallen asleep in church, then your first test might be staying awake through the service. Okay? Amen? Scared of the little girl? Like, that was another test? I mean, like, I've, I've always heard tests preached about like they were these huge, like, impossible things. I mean, reading about Peter, it was little stuff. Stay awake. Don't get scared by the little girl. It's like the more I say it, the more funny it becomes. <laughs> it's like little stuff. I mean, it's not this huge, hard thing. And I'll say this too. You know, the further we go with, with God, the more, you know, perfected our faith becomes, the more refined it becomes. I believe we may encounter maybe more difficult tests because like these, you know, these easy, we could call them maybe the easy tests, the don't fall asleep, you know, don't deny Jesus. <laughs> like once we get that down, well, maybe we'll have something else to work on. And you know, it's, it's always going to feel kind of challenging. And, and when we miss it, we're always going to feel kind of sore. But it's just so we know what to pull out. And that's a good thing. Isn't that a good thing? That God helps refine us. So I just want to end this way. Um, and and let, me, let me say this too, okay? Peter got refined. Peter came into the definition God had for him. I just wrote down a few things that happened throughout the books of, book of Acts that Peter was involved with. He healed the lame. He preached to multitudes and got thousands of people saved. He healed a paralyzed man. He brought the message of the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles. And an angel brought him out of prison. Like, that's a quick highlight reel. Peter turned into a rock. Okay? Peter turned into the rock. And it was because he allowed himself to be refined. When these moments of, I missed it, came, he didn't let it get him off course. He just said, okay, now I know what I need to work on. I missed it, I'm going to get that right. Because God has said, I am, and I believe his word is true. I believe in the grace. So, just to end this way, I wanted to do this. Ask this question. What do I do when I've been called the rock, but I feel like the fisherman? That's, kinda, that's, that's just how I felt like I should end tonight today this morning not tonight man every time we have a night service i always say morning and then i and then i do that here this morning i say night what in the world what do i do when i've been called the rock but i feel like the fisherman there are three things i believe that we ought to do when we feel like the fisherman but jesus has said we're a rock the first thing we need to do is check our name check our name and know the one that god gave you compare what you've been calling yourself to what God said about you, to what he named you. You know, I can spend my time living based on the names I've been given. And we get names from a lot of places. We get names from our actions. We can look at our track record and say, well, this is what I've done, so this must be who I am. That's contrary to what Jesus has said. We can take what other people say about us, how other people define us, and let that be how we see ourselves. Problem is, it's still not the word. It's still not the definition God gave. It's still not in line with the master plan because our, our creator is the one who had the initial plan. No other person knows what God created us to be. Only he knows that. So we shouldn't let someone who doesn't know our purpose define us. We can let our negative thoughts or maybe our extremely positive thoughts define us and get us off track. We can let the enemy speak to us, give us, and, and that's where a lot of those thoughts come from. There are all these other places that we could find our name, but if we find it in the Word of God, 
and we go back to this and we confess this over our life instead of what my, my track record, my past, or any other person has said about me. That is resting in, in the hope, resting our hope in the grace of God. That's how we rested in God's grace is by saying this is what he said. I believe it. I have faith in it. I have to decide to take the name that God had given me. Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to be have uh, apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting these things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I forget what's behind me, the good and the bad. I forget all the great stuff I did yesterday because I knew there was new for me to do today. I forget all the bad stuff from my past. I forget what happened yesterday because I'm pursuing the hope, the grace that God has for me today. I'm pursuing the name that God has given me for today, even if I didn't live up to the name yesterday. Even if I looked unrefined yesterday, today's a new day to live in the definition Christ has given me. Amen? And just a few names. If you want these, you can come see me right after, and I'll, I'll give you the references, but I'm going to name just a few things that God has called us. Sons and daughters, accepted, full of God, free of sin, Christ-like, chosen, and valued. And there are many others that we can find as we read through the Word. All the things that we were made in Christ. There's a book by Kenneth E. Hagin called In Him, and that lists like hundreds of things that we are called in Christ. If you need to know your name, Look at the word and see what he's called you. The next thing I see, which we, we saw with Peter, I believe it's for us today, is being filled with the Holy Spirit. We read that uh, he allowed another to gird him up, to prepare, surround, and equip him. In Acts 2.2, we see the Spirit come into the life of the church. It says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, and as a rushing mighty wind, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. <clears throat> Then there appeared to be them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the Holy Spirit coming and filling these people up, the one who would equip, surround, and prepare them to be who Christ had called them to be. This is what made Peter the rock. You know, Peter knew the name that he had been given. That, that was important. You have to know the name you've been given. But then he allowed the power of the Holy Spirit to prepare, equip, and surround him, turning him into that rock. He could not be it on his own. But through the power of the Spirit, he became the rock. The rock that we're supposed to be, the one who's steady upon which Christ can build the church, is someone filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Right after this, we see Peter step immediately into God's call for his life. He, he goes out and he preaches a sermon and 3,000 people get saved. Immediately. He got filled with the Spirit. He turned into the rock. And God used him immediately. And then the third thing I believe we need to do is embrace the refinement. Embrace God's adjustment. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He started a good work in you. Do you know that? Jesus started a good work in you. And he wants to complete it. The way that he takes that rock 
that's surrounded by you know dirt and and things that are not valuable the way he takes that and completes the good work that was intended is by refining it by pulling the imperfections out of the gold by pulling those things that are not meant to be there off so that the value can be greater god is doing a good work in your life today If you're sensitive and filled with the Holy Spirit, He will show you the imperfections to pull out. He will help you to become refined so that no longer do you have to stay living in the name that you used to have, but you can live in the name that Christ has given you for today. You can be the rock. You can be the child. You can be accepted. You can be loved. But you got to know who you are. You got to be filled with the Spirit so that He can refine And you have to embrace that and say yes to what he wants to do in you. Does that excite you? Because it gets me really excited to think that I don't have to be anything less than what God's called me. I can live in the complete work of Jesus. If I've got the spirit, if I know my name and I embrace him, preparing me, equipping me and surrounding me. It's good news, isn't it? Let's pray together today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what we see here as we've looked at Peter this morning, that you can take anybody who has ears to hear. You can take anybody who's listening for you and turn them into the rock. Those who are sensitive and hungry, Lord, for you in their life, we know you come in. You're you're faithful, Lord, to come in like you promised you would in the word, to come into our life, to make us new Bring us into relationship with the Father. We thank you, God, that you come in. And we know that as you come in and Holy Spirit, you fill us, you show us the imperfections. You put us through a lifelong refining process where you're making us more and more valuable. God, we know it's not a bad thing to be refined. It is not a bad thing to be refined. It's such a good thing. It's such a good part of life with you, God, that you don't want to leave us in the state we started in, but you want us to become more and more defined by the name you've given us than we are based on how we started out. We came from a world that, that was uh, dirty, that, that, that was full of imperfections. And Lord, we know this new life with you is full of perfect, full, complete glory. And so we pursue that today. We, we listen to this word that you want to refine us based on the definition you've given. Holy Spirit, we ask you to, to show us even now. We, we have those ears to hear. We are sensitive. We want to know, Lord, how you desire to refine us so that we might be how you have defined us. God, we thank you that you are doing a great work in all of our lives today. You are speaking to us even now as as I pray this, as we pray together, Lord, we are sensitive to hear and, and to know what it is you want to refine out of us so that we might be that solid rock, so that we might be steady, one upon whom you can build, one upon whom victory over Hades and death may come, just as it was with Peter, Lord. We know you want to build your kingdom through us today. So, Lord, we listen. We hear as you speak, as you refine. And, God, we thank you that there is not condemnation, that you did not approach Peter 
and, and yell at him and correct him and, and just force repentance out of him. But God, your question was, Peter, do you love me? Today, every person here who loves Jesus, I want you to lift up one hand and just say, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. Refine me, Lord. Complete me, Lord. Let me be the person you've named me and the way that you've defined me. I believe you will do it. I rest in the hope of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Does that get you excited to go out and be refined? Amen. We'll go out today and be blessed. Be the church. Love, reach, restore, and launch. And we'll see you Wednesday. Right? We're going to see you all Wednesday. We are starting a new unit um, on our Wednesday night curriculums. So we are going to be getting into creation and uh, a lot of what occurred in Genesis. If you haven't been a part of our Wednesday night studies, they are an apologetics course. We're going really deep. It's all about just learning what the Bible says. And so if you haven't been a part of that, I encourage you to come out on Wednesday nights for that. Um, If you're part of the missions team, please stick around to get your information about that. Also, Pastor Becky wanted me to mention that the Healing Bible Study this coming Saturday is off. So we will not be meeting. Ladies will not be meeting at 9 o'clock out here in the foyer. Other than that, I think we've, we've got it all taken care of. So go and be blessed today.